Welcome to CTL Connections Short Bites, a series of interviews with senior engineering leaders. I'm your host, Peter Bell. The future's here. It's just not evenly distributed. At CTL Connection, we try to solve that by identifying, curating, and distributing the latest tools and techniques for more effectively building and managing an engineering team. Join our community at ctlconnection.com. I'd like to take a moment to thank our partners. Code Climate is our global sponsor. Code Climate Velocity helps CTOs, VPEs, and directors at companies like Slack, Gusto, and Pizza Hut align initiatives with strategic priorities, accelerate software delivery, and drive continuous improvement. I'd also like to thank Amazon Web Services and Carrot, our sustaining partners. I'd also like to take a moment to introduce our Short Bytes partner, Cloud Zero. You're spending a ton of money on the cloud, so shouldn't you know exactly what you're spending it on? Cloud Zero will help you organize and understand your cloud spend better than anyone else out there. You'll get visibility without the typical pitfalls of legacy cloud cost management tools like endless tagging or clunky Kubernetes support. With Cloud Zero, you can optimize your unit economics, decentralize cost intelligence to engineering, and create a shared language between finance and technical teams. You'll be able to answer questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What is the cost impact of re-architecting this application? Join companies like Drift, Rapid7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com slash ctlconnection to get started. Again, please visit cloudzero.com slash ctlconnection to get started today. Today, I'm speaking with Joris Dries, CTO at Resonate Solutions. Joris, thanks for joining me. Hi, Peter. Great to be here. So... I love how we we were talking a little earlier about this kind of trade-off, and I feel like it's an eternal trade-off between growing versus hiring leaders. And it sounds like you have this really good case study, like as you were were scaling Resonate Solutions. Maybe you could just give a little bit of backstory in terms of what the company does, where it was, and what caused you to need some more leadership within engineering. Yes, certainly. So uh, Resonate is a we're a software as a service provider um, of customer experience. So we have a customer experience platform that um, we offer to enterprises um, across Australia and globally um, that allows the brand to just connect better with our customers, gather information um, and understand, you know, what the customer's experience was and help improve it. Right. So I guess. The question that you're uh, coming from starts at um, probably about 12 to 18 months ago where we had a real uh, growth moment and we're still in that moment and the engineering team was expanding. So we needed to hire more engineers. Um, There was a leader at the top of the engineering team. The team was growing to eight, nine, 10 people. And while the pressure of the size of the team was definitely becoming apparent, uh, we, we lost the engineering team lead at the same time. Um, so that meant that <laughs> as the CTO, the function of the engineers, you know, rapidly fell under me and I had to put new leadership in place. So I think the two challenges that were uh, apparent was how do we deal with it straight away? What is the immediate um, resolution that we can, uh, you know, improve things with? Create new teams. Um, what are there any other options? Can we do a, a fast hire? Do we split the function somehow? Um and you know we started the hiring journey for a senior engineering leader um, to take place and at that point in time um, it was probably a you know team lead principal engineer maybe uh, is it an engineering manager 
so that, that needed to that needed to go through a little bit of brainstorming um, but given the other teams you know support IT operations um, the QA uh, uh, department everybody was reporting it to me so it was really not sustainable to leave that going for too long so the path that I decided to take was two of the leaders um, that well splitting the team into two teams needed you know two leaders and so two people within the team and the team was relatively you know junior to mid-level um i went looking for uh, people that had the right skill set that could be developed um, into those leadership positions it's a little bit tricky when the past experience they have is all around the technical and not the people side of things um you know the the only experience that they effectively had was being managed um, but the first individual that we identified, um, she was a great engineer, but she also had a really strong passion around um, soccer in this case. <clears throat> and she would organize the soccer comp in the office. And, you know, she, she took the initiative to start that. She went around and recruited people to come and join. And every week she's hammering people, come on, let's go, you know. Um, Get your contributions in commit please i need you to be there at that time she'd organized the transport everything and i said wow that's a great talent um you know if we can bring that and take that and put it on top of the team right there's someone that can drive something um and that was a really good bet because um even though she was really terrified um when she initially um <laughs> was just stepped into the team lead position she was a bit tentative and i said give it a go um she ended up being a natural um, from everything in, you know, managing on, on the PBIs, the, uh, you know, the agile process, following up, assisting Scrum, uh, uh, Scrum mastering itself, but also, you know, when people had trouble being there for them. And uh, she developed herself very quickly in that position just by being given that responsibility. So that worked out really well. Um, on the other side, there was uh, the second individual who has a very different profile. She was a journalist in a previous life. Um, and the reason that she caught my eyes because she was driving a documentation effort. And I think we all know documentation for engineers is a, <laughs> it's a tricky thing to keep consistency, uh, high quality, keep up the maintenance and whatnot. And so she started to drive that because she was really passionate about the writing aspect of it. But also, you know, I guess, you know, in journalism, the structured approach, the note taking, uh, you know, the auditability of what happened, uh, um, you know, the chain of custody of events. Um, and she was kind of bringing that into the team. And so, um, that was a very different aspect that she could then bring to life uh, as a team lead. She took up on it really well, and she actually went and you know started writing blog articles about the experience and um, you know <laughs> uh, take, taking that uh, uh, a bit from the inward out, um, which was really great. Now, what both of them lacked though was really that you know engineering leadership, having done it, bringing having best practice experience across different businesses. Um, and so the challenge for us was still to be able to get somebody that could run the engineering practice, not just the teams. So let me maybe jump in and, and, and unpack a little bit of this. So was your first uh, goal to be like, hey, let's go find two good people internally? Or did you spend some time looking externally for, for those two leadership roles? No, my initial reflex was I don't have anyone in the team I'm going to hire someone. 
right? Um, because we had an engineering leader that worked well, but they left the company. I didn't find the level of seniority and experience within the team itself. Um, so I went external. Now, one of the things that I did learn in my uh, past hiring experiences is getting a leader in is risky. You can get a person in that could be a good leader, but they might not be aligned with your culture, or they may have quite different ideas about what the best practice needs to be than what you are, or they come from a totally different industry. We're a software as a service. We're pure software as a service. We're cloud-based. Uh, we're you know uh, high scale, globally distributed. Um, I was looking for an engineering leader that had experience in that uh, in that area, which you know in Australia is not that trivial. Um, I think it was also during a time where um, hiring had gone through this big, you know, up and down with COVID where, um, you know, all of a sudden there were heaps of roles and then that dried up and there was just nobody. Um, and I think the challenge there was being able to stand out, getting interviews without being able to profile yourself. There was no ability to do things face-to-face. -face. Everyone was still getting used to the new realities of things. So we, we had some real um, trouble identifying people that we've, we thought were um, right for the role. So you you spent a little bit of time looking, just, just out of interest, how long was it from you deciding, okay, let's post a job ad to realizing <laughs> this isn't working, I need to fix the team, and you know I'm not getting the quality or quantity of candidates I need? <laughs> That's an embarrassing question, um, mainly because of the answer. It probably it took me too long. Um, I, I, we were probably close to three months into um, looking that I started to think this is this is not going to work. I could feel the pressures too much um, on on the other uh, teams as well as myself. Um, you know, given the fact that there was that um, that hiatus in the leadership, and I think, yeah, that. The, Probably the three-month mark was the pivoting point where I thought we have to figure out who and what. Um, but even from that point, you don't just make the decision and say, well, you know, hey, congratulations, you're now a team lead. Um, deal with it as of tomorrow. You know, there's, there's coaching sessions, you know, there's training materials, there's, you know, uh, setting a new meeting cadence up to be able to say, cool, how can we support you, bring the leaders together in meetings where, you know, you say, okay, Every um, every week or even in the beginning, two times a week, let's meet up. What are some of the biggest challenges? What are the questions you have? Because all of a sudden, you're not just responsible for your own job. You're responsible for the development of the people that report to you. You are there to make sure that they uh, get the right guidance and mentorship, that you identify you know, any gaps, uh, are they unhappy? You, you, you're supposed to come and tell me now whether somebody is at risk of leaving. Um, a thought you never had before. So I think that's that's one of those um, you know one of those transitions you have to be willing to make, as well as uh, getting the right support to have to develop the capability. So yeah, it took a bit of time as well to figure that out. Now you talked a lot about the the previous life experience, which I think you know it's interesting because I used to work at a boot camp, and one of the amazing things which you had so many people that would have had had these previous lives that were clearly going to bring kind of rich you know interactions and organizational skills to their companies as they grew in their roles. So I I, I love when when you find people who've had a life that wasn't just writing code. That said, 
um, you you notice the obviously one of the risks is bringing people who've not been in a formal position of engineering leadership into that role. And it sounds like you provided them with a lot of support. Were there any bumps or, or small issues that you ran into as they were trying to get up to speed and learn the jobs? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, the, the when you have relatively junior people and you put them in a position where other people report to them, um, especially because they were peers um, right before that, um, I think there's always a little bit of friction. So you have to make sure that you support them and get the consistent messaging across the whole business from the top down, um, you know, demonstrate the support and, you know, get the buy-in from everyone to make sure that at the individual level, people understand this is going to make things better for you. Um, this is a great thing um, you're going to benefit. And by showing that support, you know, actually solidify their position. Ultimately, um, for them to get the respect of their peers and the people that uh, reported before them, um, the job was half done because of the position they were in. Um, you know, there were peers working together, doing peer reviews, technical capability, um, you know, big thing with techies. But then also um, the fact that they were effective at running the scrums and taking some of the pain away, um, you know, giving them the right support. So it, it took some time. Um, I think a second challenge is the fact that there was just no solid experience in, hey, I need, I'm identifying that our process is broken because I've seen this done before. And, you know, this should be done in a different way or this can be done so much better. There are alternatives we need to explore. Um, I think people would fall back to, you know, the safety of uh, either just pushing through or thinking, well, that's life, you know, um, because it's very hard to bring that experience, uh, you know, up yourself if you don't have it from the outside in. So we did identify that we needed the, that more senior uh, experience that had you know something spanning across the board we, we still had that gap yeah now before you brought in the more experienced leader were there any other ways you you tried to fill the gap because i mean one of the challenges that are at a modestly sized company you know once you get to a certain scale you have an internal learning and development department and you have custom training materials and like here's what a team lead does and here's what an engineering manager does and here are the checklists and most modestly sized companies you just don't have that you know if you've got 20 50 probably even up to 80 engineers so how did you think about that did you manage to find useful external resources was it just like go read a book or, or <laughs> did you find anything else that would, would help them to to identify the right things to do yeah, look, definitely. I think that we've, we've got a number of practices in the company. Uh, we run these sessions. We call them Take This and Chill, uh, which is all about you know, getting, you know, engineering practice and knowledge shared within the team, building that up. And you're right, you know, because it's a smaller team, they're more self-sufficient. But don't forget, we were growing the company at the same time as we were growing the teams. The company was not stable. You know, um, we, we were opening up new regions geographically. We had to um, make sure that we could operationally support that. Different time zones were opening up, so our support needed to change. The IT operations needed to change. Our DevOps practice was growing. Um, so the engineering team in question here was just one one uh, one part of that. I was effectively still the engineering manager, right, for the software engineers, and so. Uh, my time was taken up to an extent that really shouldn't have 
because I needed to work on the different business functions. The growth of the company um, is, is you know, the top priority and the teams underneath that really needed to become more uh, self-sufficient. So I think that that was a big challenge. Um, there's only so many hours in the day. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's probably the biggest reason that I was still looking for, can I get somebody um, that sits on top of my software engineering practice? Now, when you, how early did you identify that need? Was it like as soon as you'd placed the the two internal people in the tech lead roles that you're like, okay, and I'm going to get the job description out? Was there like a period where you waited three months and you're like, oh, this is good, but not perfect? Like when, how long was it until you realized we still really need like, you know, a grown up who's done this at a few places before? Um, I never stopped looking for people. Right. Um, I think the the role was open the whole time and I kept looking for people. But the one thing that I identified is that I had a role open for like that senior or that principal or, you know, the, the team lead. And um, I said now and I think probably, you know, it was my CEO, uh, Mita. She uh, she's the one that more externally identified it. You know, it's often a blind spot when you're in the middle of things and you're doing things to, to identify that, hey, um, you're really missing that function um, in a more dedicated way. And so she highlighted to me, she goes, I think you need to go more senior. Um, and I said, okay. So we had a good conversation about it. And I said, let's let's see, let's try. And I opened up the uh, head of software development position um, and I closed the other one off. And I had a few interviews and I started to identify by talking to people that the skill set that they would bring into the company uh, would be really invaluable. And I'm like, yeah, okay, there was a bigger gap there than I thought. <laughs> so um, I could sit here and say, yeah, I noticed it straight away and I wanted to hire someone. It wasn't like that. Um, I think the, the reality of it was that by exposing myself to it, I really identified the need for it even more. Um, and so I found a great candidate actually within within two weeks. Um, and they, yeah, irony, right? Um, and they had they had the right experience. They had previous SaaS uh, experience. They had managed to right size teams. They had been part of a growth journey, which was really important for us as well, because you know we are really pushing in growth. I mean, like you know, we've we've been doubling year on year, um, and been doing that for the last two and a half uh, years. So you know, and we keep on going that. And uh, the idea is to keep doing that. We are going to expand our footprint across all the teams. So getting somebody in that has that experience was so important. And we've, we've not done that just in engineering, by the way. Other business functions, we're actually doing the same thing by bringing in those senior leaders at the moment. Now, before we, we started this uh, conversation, we chatted a little bit and, and, you know, we were talking about the trade-offs, right? Because the, the benefit of bringing, growing somebody internally is they have credibility, they have domain expertise. There might be a little friction if two people were peers and then one suddenly is promoted and the others are reporting to them. But that, at least you know that they are a culture fit and they understand your domain. Uh, when you brought in the, this, this kind of head of software engineering person, how did you try to both during the interview process and then during the onboarding mitigate those kind of cultural and personal risks in terms of the team actually kind of rejecting the foreign body and saying, nope, we're, we're not going to do what they say? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, like I said, I've had a previous experience that kind of went a little bit awry. Um, and I think in this case, as soon as I interviewed the person and I thought, hey, there's something there, this is going to happen, I talked to my two uh, team leads. And I said, I said, 
the function that we're really missing in engineering is this. And these are the things you guys are doing well, and I think is amazing. You've grown a lot in that, but we are always going to have this gap and I need this filled. So I got their buy-in by walking them through the reasoning and the motivation. I think transparency is probably the best way to go in any case. Um, and you know, there was an understanding, like they got that. I don't think they were threatened, or at least they didn't let me know that. Maybe they were. Um, but um, I also told them, uh, you have my, my guarantee that if it's not a good cultural fit, then I will block it at the right time. And so when I brought the person in, I didn't say, well, now everyone report to them day one. No. They went through the onboarding process and actually made the two team leads. Um, you know, so we, we've got a pretty... Um, you know, mature onboarding process where we uh, go through and make sure that, you know, we've got all the agenda set up, the cultural alignment, uh, mission of the company and getting them into the different teams, getting to know them, getting big part of the software, uh, you know, what are the development cycles. So getting that person across our system processes um, a little bit outside of the two teams was a good way to get people to get to know them and for them to recognize, hey, this person has skills, they're bringing something. You know, they do a tech essential session where they, you know, it's almost like going to a, a professional talk, um, you know, and you're saying, wow, the speaker's up on stage and, you know, this person's bringing that in. So that, that generated a really strong level of respect and, uh, you know, recognition for the, 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 the person's skills. And then, you know, it was probably about eight weeks in that I said, okay, so now we're going to officially make the change in the reporting lines, right? Um, not just uh, here's an email, now this is happening. No, we made an official change in the reporting lines. You know, we brought it up in our, our monthly company uh, forum, um, made sure everybody was uh, uh, clear on that um, and, you know, took it on from there. Um, and I made sure that, you know, my head of software development understood that process from the start as well. Um, because the worst thing you can do is have uncertainty about, you know, are there dotted lines? You know, is it a straight line? What are we doing now? No, the clarity there is really important and saying you are now accountable for this and now this changes to that. Did you run into any issues through either the onboarding process or in terms of the cultural alignment or was that fairly smooth sailing? I think I think either we were lucky or we did a really good job in the interview in identifying <laughs> the cultural fit. Now, look, he's... He's a, he's a really good cultural fit. Um, I think it's one of the things that was so important for us, um, you know, having the right technical background, but also, you know, feeling like they're not going to create any disruption when interacting with people. Like, you know, he's got a really good, uh, gentle, soft approach, but a strong idea about what a good process looks like and what a good practice looks like and, and how to, you know, go to that. You know, not, I mean, different experience. It's not a, okay, this is all wrong. Now we have to do it that way. It's like, okay, I think, I think the branching model you guys use is, is good, but I think we have one that could work better for the situation that we're in. Talk to people, get them on board. Like he's got a really soft but strong approach in that. And I think that's something that was really well fitting with the culture that we'd built. Yeah. And then as you look forward, presumably the company will continue to grow. Are you looking differently in terms of like, are you starting to build more of a process around how am I going to identify leaders either internally or externally to make sure that they're more quickly available in the future to support our growth? 
Yes, definitely. Um, I, I think I think that was a big takeaway. Taking the people that you identify for different skills and bringing them early into a process, <clears throat> right? Um, where you could get them to that uh, leadership in a softer way. For instance, uh, we now have a third team lead. Um, we've got uh, people reporting to them that are going through internships. So, you know, there's interns uh, and, you know, skilled, passionate, a lot of drive. Um, don't really have that barrier of bringing somebody in with a couple of years experience and then getting to report to someone that might be, you know, uh, um, equity in, in, in age. Um, so I think that that that's something that we're actively working towards. And I think the program of developing that leadership and bringing that understanding that there's processes now to be able to have those leadership conversations with more junior people and bring them up. And uh, that practice in itself is going to grow as we expand the team. Yeah, That's great. And then just finally, to, to get a little bit of context, how are you looking at this geographically? Because obviously a lot of people, we, we all went remote for a while during the pandemic and some companies are like, yeah, that's fine, but that's just an aberration. I want everyone back in the office, you know, as soon as it's safe. And then the other companies are like, hey, we should hire from, you know, Indonesia to Geneva and and like broaden. And then there's kind of everything in between, uh, both for the the person you hired, but but more broadly, how are you thinking about the return to the office? Do you want everyone to be within 20 miles of it or are you, you relaxing that restriction? I think the benefits that we've identified in people working remotely, um, they complement well the benefits that you have from being in office. Um, so we've, we're going for a hybrid model and we're not going to back down from that. Um, so we've got, um, we've got a very simple, you know, everyone's in office on a Monday and then each team has another day that they pick, right? So that there's uh, cohesion within the team. They're able to do like team building activities in that time and, uh, you know, have their essential meetings that benefit from the face-to-face -face interaction. It's good for people to get to know each other. But on the other hand, you know, we've also expanded the team um, especially in certain functions like support uh, to include people from overseas. So, you know, we, we um, brought people in from, uh, say, the Philippines. They're part of the team. And because of the way that everything is set up, the remote nature of things, um, people, when we started hiring, and, you know, as I said, we've hired a fair few people, they struggled to identify who was actually sitting in the Philippines and who was in Australia, but just sitting at home. Um, and I think that's a great thing because it means that we're treating every member of the team in the same way and we're giving uh, everyone, you know, similar opportunity and feel and cohesion, which is so important for the culture to, yeah. to create that one, that one company team. Yeah. And then just to ask, are you considering like company-wide on-sites, like in terms of the, the Philippines team, do you think you will ever connect with them in person when it's safe or, or is that not necessarily part of the plan? No, hundred percent. We do. Um, I mean, right now, bit tricky, but the plans are there. Um, we, we do, we do, for instance, we do an annual company trip, which has been, uh, you know, killed by COVID over the last two years. Um, but you know, we've done big, take the whole company, go to the gold coast, you know, which is a city in Australia. Um, beautiful weather beaches um, or you know yeah. go down to Tasmania uh, we've done a we, we did a cruise you know get everybody on a cruise ship for four days <laughs> um, but that's great and that's the kind of thing you know um, imagine we say okay let's all go to Bali we bring the team in right um, so getting people to connect face to face at those opportunities yes um, other people we might say hey you know they would really benefit can we bring them over to Australia connect with the team more here um, yeah, there's there's 
definite plans to be able to 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 tighten the gap a little bit. Yeah. Yours, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to share your experiences. Uh, thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure.